reviewing the scientific literature to answer your questions about gender diversity, this is Classroom Psychology. And now here's your host, Dr. Cora Sargent. Hello everybody and welcome to Classroom Psychology. I'm your host, Cora. Thank you so very much for joining me. Get on in here, grab yourselves a drink, pull up a chair and, you know, let's listen to my dulcet tones for a little bit uh, as we talk about gender diversity. Listen, I've been watching the world for some time. You know, I'm 40 years of age now. Whoa. Don't know how that happened. I really don't. Looking back, I don't know how I what, what happened. Uh, Forty feels like it's an eternity old, but it's probably pretty young compared to like half of all people, I would say. Um, and I look at the world, and I'm getting pretty. I I don't know. I'm getting pretty scared out here. Um, I'm watching this sort of contraction around gender identity, and particularly around transgender rights. And particularly in the United States and in the UK, we're seeing this sort of very strong contraction. And in the US, we see drag bans in a lot of states um, and bans for adolescent and child transgender, like gender diversity and, and sort of um, transition related healthcare. Um, in the UK, we don't see those kind of bans, but uh, it's very difficult for trans folk to access healthcare. It's been getting gradually worse over the last 12 years. I mean, you know, 12 years ago, when I first got referred, maybe 11, 10 years ago, I first got referred, uh, the waiting list was like nine months for first appointment for transition-related healthcare for adults. And now it's more like over five years for a lot of people, which is an incredible length of time to have to wait. And for children and adolescents, it's not too different. Like they have to wait two years and there are these kind of geographically distributed centers that are supposed to be opening, but I don't know what they look like. I can't tell. There's no plans for them as far as I can tell. And yet the websites for the gender identity development services have got this kind of banner on them saying, nope, uh, if you get referred to us, you're probably not going to be seen by us because it's going to take two years and we're going to be replaced by these different geographically distributed services, whatever they're supposed to be. So healthcare access for the trans community in the UK is pretty poor. Um, and you'll have seen, if you've kept your ears to the ground, you'll have seen the sort of protests around Drag Queen Story Hour in the States and in the UK. You may have seen that the, the Scottish government engaged in Gender Recognition Act reform as planned, as the UK government indeed had planned originally, but then when they tried to pass the law, the now UK government decided they would evoke Article 35 to say, nope, uh, we're going to prevent you from uh, from enacting that law uh, for the first time, uh, undermining Scottish devolved powers to prohibit transgender folk from accessing their gender recognition certificates a little bit more easily. So for sure, I'm seeing this very strange experience I didn't expect to see 10 years ago. I thought we were cresting a wave of acceptance. I really thought that I was actually, you know, that 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 all of the difficult stuff had happened already, that people braver than me had blazed a trail that I would just follow. And, you know, I could enjoy just cresting a wave of acceptance. But that wave of acceptance broke really early. And now I find we're in a worse position than we were 10 years ago, I think, in terms of acceptance. And I find myself going around talking about gender diversity everywhere, wherever anybody will have me, whether it be around GP trainings, whether it be around educational psychology services and trainings, whether it be around schools and colleges, 
you know, talking to school staff, whether it be, you know, talking to trainee general practitioners in the South Coast, I go all over the place trying to talk about gender diversity, hoping that people will listen to basically a couple of ideas. One of them is that there are lots of genders that exist in the world. And the other is that only people can decide for themselves what gender that they are. Because ultimately, understanding one's gender is a sort of, to some extent, cultural experience. You know, it's embedded in the culture that people find themselves in. The language of gender that people learn as they grow. But people's fundamental gender experiences are, as far as I can tell from the scientific literature, more a process of discovery than a process of creation. And for sure, these questions aren't cemented yet. We don't know the answer to all of these questions. But we do know that there are a bunch of young people and children who are transgender. We know there are adults who are transgender. We know that non-binary identities are valid. And we know that those experiences do sometimes necessitate some support from transition-related services. So when it comes to poor healthcare access, when it comes to the bans in the US, I just see a world that is contracting around us. And yet, at the heart of what we do, of who we are as a people, gender-diverse folk are, just by their very nature, just by being out and open in the world, are protesting. They are exhibiting themselves, being themselves in the world, and in so doing, they transgress the norms and rules of heteronormative culture, and they create norms and rules of gender diversity, forging a world where we can all find a place to belong. Honestly, I watch folks around me, uh, like I listen to What the Trans, I see Abigail Thorne's work, and I see countless others, Katie Montgomery, like heroes of the trans and gender diverse communities, like putting themselves out there and forging this world, trying to create a world where we can all find a place to belong. And in my small way, I'm going to try and do something similar. I'm going to try to, in our own unique way, try to contribute. Now, the way in which I want to contribute, because I'm a scientist, that's what we're going to do. We're going to review the scientific literature to see if we can understand the scientific consensus around answers to some very challenging questions around gender diversity. And those questions are being asked in all kinds of areas. People, often politicians, often public figures, making declarative statements, sometimes even book, book authors with large followings, making these large declarative statements about what gender is and can be. And a lot of people, a lot of politicians in particular, are saying things like, ah, oh, we just don't have the research. We just don't have the research yet. We don't know what's going on here. We don't know how best to support children and young people. We don't know how best to support the trans community. Um, we don't understand what's happening here. Um, and I'm here to say, yeah, we absolutely do. Uh, I'm a gender scientist. Like, I study gender diversity alongside my legendary trainees and my deepest friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Sarah Wright, we publish literature, we publish research, scientific, like empirical studies and systematic reviews, looking at the question of what genders is it possible for a person to be in the world? And the question, what makes people the gender that they are? And gradually, you know, we are not alone. There is a huge international scientific community, particularly over the last 10 years, just dedicating itself wholeheartedly to the study of gender diversity. 
and we are answering these really big and challenging questions. So I'm here to say, yeah, maybe we don't have all the answers yet, but we are not in the dark as anywhere near as much as people might have you believe. So my job here is to try to bring that research to your fingertips in an unbiased, genuine way. I'm going to try and generally like take a look at some questions that these folks ask, often in the form of very sort of bold declarative statements, but we're going to treat them with the greatest of generosity. We're going to turn them into scientific questions, and then we're going to ask those questions of the literature and come away with some reasonable scientific consensus around some answers. No question is off the table. Get on Twitter, ask your questions as, as you would like. I will answer them, but also we'll take a look and see if we can find some answers to questions that are just out there because public figures are making these bold declarative statements. You, you can find us at Classroom Psych on Twitter. Get in the comments, you know, let us know what you think. Give us your questions. We're going to do our best to answer them. And, you know, now it can only come at the right time, right? This is the right time for us to be doing it where Florida, South Dakota, Tennessee, countless other states trying to restrict access to healthcare as though we know that it is negative, like as though we know that it isn't going to help people. We know quite the opposite, that young people, there are people in a position who need access to that healthcare. And by restricting their access, we are doing harm. We have good reason to suggest that Drag Queen Story Hour is only a good thing as it exposes children and young people to gender diversity and they will become more satisfied with the idea that gender can be diverse and when they come across people who are gender diverse, they won't be so confused or frightened. They'll understand that it's just a part of the rich tapestry of gender in the world around them. I was at a, you know, I know what it's like when children are less like aware of gender diversity. I went to go to a, a reception year class not that long ago. Um, and this little chap came up to me, uh, completely different to the child I was there to see. Smartly dressed little guy with a little bow tie. Uh, it's four years old, teeny tiny, strode up to me. And he said, a classic question, a question I get all the time. Are you a boy or a girl? He said. And I, you know, with the greatest of generosity, turning air into gold, I was like, oh, that's a very good question, little one. I'm a girl. Enjoy your playtime. And uh, he looked at me with this kind of childlike scepticism. And he said, I don't believe you. <laughs> I was like, okie dokie. <laughs> this is getting weird. I'm, I'm going over here now. You enjoy the sandpit. You know, go, go have fun. He stopped. He put his hands on his hips. He started to dance and he said, you're a boy, you're a boy. In this beautiful sing-songy little voice, uh, you know, uh, I got bullied by a four-year-old. It was uh, amazing. So I buried him in the sandpit and uh, <laughs> it's, I, I, I uh, laughed, like bid him adieu and carried on with my day. You know, little people like that, four years of age, for sure. They have only got their experience to go on. And my hope is that because he met me, maybe the next time he meets somebody that sounds a little different, or maybe that looks a little different, maybe that's okay. And he understands that it's just part of the tapestry of gender around him. It's no bad thing for him to understand that because next time he'll meet somebody, maybe he won't other them in quite the way that he did with me. 
you've got to realize that, you know, our job here is to create a world where everyone can belong. And so when we come to Drag Queen Story Hour, we realize actually exposing young people to understanding the full tapestry of gender helps them to create a world. Like that's what transgender, gender diverse communities are doing in just being out there, whether it comes to diversity of expression or diversity of identity or diversity of bodies, we transgress expectations of a society that sees gender as really just male and female. And in so doing, we forge the norms of a new culture. We forge norms that allow us all to find a place to belong. And whether you be people out there concerned about the risk of social contagion, whether you be out there concerned about the rights of people in single-sex spaces, whether you be out there just questioning and worried about what this all means for gender diversity, just know that we've got your back. We're out there trying to understand gender diversity from a scientific perspective, and we're going to try to help you to recognize that you have nothing to be afraid of here. Gender diversity poses no threat to anyone. It's simply about trying to make sure that we have a world in which everyone, everyone can find a place to belong. In our first episode, as we come back, our first real life proper episode, we're going to look at the status quo. What is it that our current model of gender suggests about gender diversity? What genders exist in the world and what makes a person the gender that they are in our sort of mainstream cultural, very binary zeitgeist? When we come back, the status quo, we take a look at it together. You are very welcome here. This is Classroom Psychology. Thanks so very much for joining me. I'm your host, Cora, and I very much look forward to seeing you in the next one.